Hello and welcome to Blowing Cartridges, the gaming podcast where we dive into the issues surrounding gaming culture and the games themselves. I'm Brendan Tam and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Zach Clark. Zach, it's uh, it's now November. How how are you feeling? We're getting towards the business end of the year and uh, we're, we're still here. We're still recording this podcast. Yeah, it is a bit scary how quickly time is flown this year. It just seems to go at a at an ever-increasing pace, which is why I thought it'd be fun for this episode if we go back in time a bit and look at the, look at the past rather than a more uh, current-day sort of topic. And thankfully, we've got a guest to join us as well, uh, um, which I'm about to introduce. So thank everyone for um, having Andrew Hung here today, who was previously a game developer, but not currently. So Andrew, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you for helping, having me. Delighted uh, to be here. No worries. Do you want to just quickly, just to give context, talk through sort of what studio or, or team you used to work on back when you were in, in game dev, and then we'll sort of go back to the early days uh, and talk through sort of how you got there and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, yeah, I used to, uh, so I was in game dev for six years and the first four of those years was at a company called Transmission Games, uh, which previously, uh, it's it, it, it's a bit it's funny. So uh, I, I joined a company called That Game, uh, which merged with a company called IR Gurus, which uh, later on renamed themselves to become uh, Transmission Games. And uh, yeah, I was there for four years, uh, and this this company they they specialized in uh, sports and four uh, sports games and equestrian games. But then when I joined, uh, they also ventured into uh, World War II com- uh, air combat games. But uh, uh, after after four years, uh, I got asked by a former colleague to join EA. Where at that at, at the time, uh, there was a a gentleman who had uh, previously worked uh, at EA in America, and he he was Australian, and he Wanted to come back, uh, come back to Australia, and the EA said that oh, we don't want to lose you, so we'll just build a studio around you. And uh, so there was, uh, yeah, they're employing, uh, they're getting people. So uh, I was one of the people they they asked to join. Oh, I think that was a six person that joined the studio. So yeah, and I worked at uh, EA uh, Melbourne Studio, as it was then called, and later on, Visceral Games Australia um, for two years, uh, and that was until the GFC happened, in which case I stopped becoming a game developer. So that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, thank you. And that's that's going to end up being an interesting thing to, to touch on. So, yeah, we sort of, as you can tell, going into that pre-GFC era, which is, is it something we haven't t- discussed before. We've only had, I think, one game dev on the show so far, if I'm recalling correctly, and Brendan yes, will tell me correct. if I'm wrong. Uh, but he's very, in current day, um, Melbourne, you know, uh, very big indie scene sort of world. So I thought it'd be interesting to see back in the day when there were, yeah, as you said, like, EA and et cetera, opening up studios and, and it was a very different vibe, but maybe mm. even before all that, be keen to sort of see what it was like for you in terms of how you found your way into game dev. Like what was the pathway someone take, took in Australia back, back in those days to see themselves actually in a, in a game studio? So, uh, like all, like all Asian kids, uh, <laughs> Growing up, like I was heavily, I was into video games, and uh, especially uh, during high school when I got my first PC, uh, I was into a lot of PC games, and so I had no, there was no doubt in my mind that I wanted to make video games. So to me, the the path forward would be to do computer science in in university. Um, so uh, you know that 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 influenced the, the subjects I took in high school, and uh, yeah, I got into uh, computer science and engineering at Monash University. Uh, 
unfortunately, I wasn't the most studious of uh, of students, and uh, my my grades were were not 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 complete, not A grade, uh, and so. Um, <laughs> So during uh, so at the careers fair one one year I mean, there was uh, I think infograms I think they were then yeah there were already infograms Melbourne House were there uh, and uh, and I showed my my academic record and they were like no no that's okay uh, so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah I was a bit I was a bit uh, demoralized then uh, but um, I think at the time uh, I was um, reading a lot of uh, video game news I think uh, it was a uh, Daily Radar was like uh, one of the, the the sites that I would uh, constantly uh, uh, look at uh, every day, and uh, and uh, they mentioned that there was a a AGDC, a Australian Game Developers Conference, uh, uh, that happened like sort of in the second half of the year, and uh, there was a student free day, which was uh, awesome. So I I decided to to rock up the student free day, and uh, I came across a talk by uh, a institution called the Acad- uh, the Academy of Interactive Entertainment, uh, which was a, a a learning institution that was specifically for game development, uh, both software in the software development side and art development. Um, so I was like, oh, you know, uh, I'm not going to get into a game studio with my with my current marks. I'll maybe I need to do more more study. So uh, yeah, I quickly signed up to that, and uh, uh, and and this AIE was uh, then based in uh, Canberra. Nowadays they they have uh, they have campuses in in Melbourne and 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 Sydney. Uh, uh, and 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 nowadays you've got like quantum and, and all these other institutions and also now now universities have their own game sort of uh, related sort of a uh, class but at that time that that was the only that was the only institution i knew that was specific game development so uh mm. I, I i yeah got i enrolled myself and uh, spent the next two years in canberra um the first year was uh, sort of a, a refresher on c++ programming and then learning to use a a, a game engine and the second year was the the year long project where I was put into a team where I learned to work with fellow game developers and also art artists uh, to create a a game uh, which we uh, would later uh, show and, uh, and 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 put into the uh, sort of a competition uh, at the, the, the that year's um, AGDC. And during that time, um, I at AGDC I would uh, I would intern at the uh, the organization that actually uh organized the agdc uh one because i had nothing else to do i wasn't working then um i was just studying so i had a lot of free time and also if i worked at the as an if i worked at the at the at the organization uh, then i would get a free ticket to get into agdc that year so <laughs> so they were perks being, yes <laughs> yes 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 uh and uh, one of those perks being that uh i would get into the uh the agdc uh dinner where i'll get to rub shoulders with the all the game developers and especially the international ones uh, i think one year they had um dr great ray musica who was the uh one of the co-founders of bioware uh yeah. and another year they had uh, phil harrison who was then still the head of sony europe um so that, that was cool uh so yeah um so after i uh, graduated from aie i um Started, uh, yep, uh, sending my resume to all the companies I knew in in Melbourne, and also I looked on Seek in uh, my career to see if there were any uh, game game companies that I didn't know of. And one of them was, yeah, a company called, uh, which then was called Ant Juice, uh, and I uh, and I applied to that, and I, I got the interview, and uh, and when they actually when I signed the contract, it turned that the company was actually called That Game. So I, I guess they were still working out their name back then. So that's uh, that's that's how yeah I, I got uh, I got into game. It turned out yeah that 
at that time, yeah, the, this, camp, this company, like a lot of other startups at that time, it was so, sort of like the sort of the golden age. Like people were were, were there was a lot of work, uh, and uh, they were they were, they were just grabbing uh, graduates and and, and stuff. Uh, and so yeah, it's uh, yeah. So it was like one yeah one month after I graduated, when I came back from Canberra, yeah, I I I I got an interview and got a job at uh, yeah at at Transmission Games. Of interest at that time, was there any like thoughts? Ah, uh, you know, should I move to the US? Should I move to to Europe or something just to try for studios there? Or was it like, no, there's enough in Australia. I can probably get a job here and not need to stress about that. Uh. Funny, yeah. At that time, I, I, I never even thought about going to another country. Like, uh, I knew, I mean, all my, I knew all my, you know, my favorite games were made in other countries. But uh, yeah, I, I just knew there were so many at that time. There were so many uh, Australian companies that uh, uh, that I didn't need to move. And I, and I, and back then, I wouldn't. I never even left the country. You know, I never been on holiday at other country. So I didn't even thought thought. I didn't even thought about moving to another country. And, and luckily, living in Melbourne, there were so many Melbourne-based companies. You know, you had your Blue Tongues, your uh, Taurus Games, your uh, 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 Infogram Melbourne House. So yeah, I I didn't even think about yeah moving to another country. That's really like fascinating to me because not not so much in well maybe to an extent in games because I was at uni what twenty eleven I guess which which doesn't sound that long ago but then it's it's longer ago than I'd like to think about <laughs> and um, yeah. I had lots of software engineering friends and stuff and like yeah a lot of them were like yep yeah, if we want to go the direction we want to go it's like you've got to you got to leave Australia. Like, there's, there's, there's no options yeah. for what they wanted to do, at least, which is very, mm -hmm. yeah, stark contrast to, to your time. Yeah, yeah, big difference. And uh, yeah, my, my, my thoughts on that would change yeah, as the years went by. Yeah. Well, was this still the late, I guess, PS2 era? If we're thinking about what was the gaming landscape like at the stage you yes. entered it? Yes, yes, it was. Uh, it was. It was still the uh, the the 32-bit era. Yeah, no, no, no. It's uh, so yeah. PS2, PS2, Xbox, the original Xbox. Uh, yes, yes, it was. Is that so? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah and Dreamcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of a uh, lot of quality. Actually, quite a lot of quality. Yeah, uh, PS2, PS2 games coming out of uh, out of uh, Australia. You got, you know, you had your uh, Tiger, Tasmanian Tiger. You had, I think, Blue Tongue had had their Jurassic Park. A simulator game yeah there was a yeah quite a lot of yeah cool games coming out of australia yeah, and and all those afl and rugby league and all those sports games as well wasn't it in that period yeah yeah so, so yeah uh so transmission games our gurus they were uh they had the official uh license so they made all the official sony uh you know the afl premiership afl live games so yeah so they made their money you might not know the answer but I, these days when i think of the sports games in australia at least i think of um Big Ant, I think, is sort of the ones that are really doing it. Uh, do you know if there's yes. any like lineage there between you know former transmission people moving over there, or is that just they've they've all gone their separate ways and Big Ant picked up the license? Yeah, I, I think it was. Yeah, so yeah, before before yeah, Big Ant got the uh, the AFL and I think also cricket license. Yeah, um, mm. uh, it was. Yeah, transmission games had had those licenses. So yeah, I think after transmission games uh, went under, yeah. Um, Pick them all up. Yeah, that makes sense. Interesting, yeah, because they've had them for a while now. I think about it. Uh, certainly, see yeah. a lot of um, yeah, angry tweets at the CEO of Big Ant about cricket at the moment in terms of certain things. But we, you know, that's yeah, maybe right, a story right, for another day. Because yeah. yeah, they <laughs> are really that one studio from that era that are still, I guess, running and still making games, aren't they, Big Ant? 
Yes, that's uh, yeah, incredible. Yeah, they're the one. Yeah, the only one left at the time. Yeah, I think I also. Yeah, at that time, I, I think I I applied for there as well. Yeah, uh, I have to cool. ask. I think I know the answer, but uh, going into a studio that mostly sort of focused on sports games is that was yeah. that something you were like, oh, I love I love sports. I can't wait to translate it to to video game form, <laughs> or were you like, no, I just need I want a games development gig, and it just happens to be sports games. Uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, so so yeah. As I mentioned before, so I applied for a studio called That Game, which was then a startup who were uh, wanting to make this uh, World War Two air combat game. And at the time, they were working in this, the office of I.I. Gurus. I think they were still independent then. And uh, and talking to my my fellow uh, graduate from A.I.E. who also got uh, who also got a job there, if I had uh, applied the week later than I did, I would have got. I would have got a job at IA Gurus and had to do uh, going to sports, uh, at, at which which he did. So so yeah, I got the job. I got a job at yeah that ga- that game. So yeah, my my first my first job was at uh, making this uh, World War Two air combat combat oh, game, which um, which became uh, Heroes of the Pacific. After that game finished, I did have to come over and help uh, when they needed uh, when it was during crunch time for a- I think AFL Premiership out of two thousand four two thousand five. So I did do some 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 work there, uh, with scripting and stuff. So. Which was alright, like you know, it's uh, like uh, I didn't. Uh, I, I, it was only a small little stint, so uh, yeah. I... Well, I guess they flipped the question. Was you? Did you have much interest in that, like air combat war simulator game? Was that the kind of stuff you were playing, sort of, you know, growing up or as a teenager, and that's that's what you wanted to get into, or what was uh, your? No, uh, actually, uh, my my big interest at that time, uh, especially during you, was uh, Japanese RPGs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I think after after graduating from uh, from AIE, like I was, I was just wrapped it. I was joining a, a like an actual game company. I was actually a game developer, so I wasn't picky or anything. Thinking like, oh, you know, do I really want to do this? Like, this is not really the sort of games I want. I was, I was just happy to have a job. An actual job uh, being paid to to make games, so I was happy. So yeah, I didn't have much interest in um, World War Two. I did actually. I had probably hardly I had no no knowledge of World War Two until I actually uh, worked on that game and had to read a lot of uh, <laughs> reference material. Uh, yeah, nowadays you know I I I, I know my XXMs from my Measure Smiths and stuff like that. But before <laughs> that, I had I had no no knowledge of uh, World War Two. Uh, uh, yeah, so I was just wrapped to. To, to be finally like yeah. to, to fulfill my wish to, to be a game developer. And, and when you had become a game developer and started out making games as a job, were you still yeah. playing games in your spare time or did that start to diminish? Oh, oh no, no, no. Uh, see, one of the things I found uh, being a game developer is uh, I'm in a company where everyone is there because they have the same interest and same passion. So like I just... Like we get along on like a house on fire because we all have the same passion, same interest. You know, is just games, and so every lunchtime, hands down, yeah, pencils down, it was let's play games. So you know, we <laughs> it was it was a uh, multiplayer games, uh, like uh, every every day. So like you know, like your your Far, I think Far Cry had just come out, so we were playing a lot of Far Cry or Doom or you know, Dawn of War just came out. We we're playing a lot of Dawn of War. Um, I remember, the, I think in the middle of the first year, I think World of Warcraft just came out. Oh, uh, dangerous! Yes, and uh, <laughs> I mean, I I knew 
that it was going to be crack for me because like I during during uh, <laughs> studying at Monash, uh, I played a lot of uh, MUDs, which is you know yeah. text based uh, online games. Uh, I think there was a and I, and, and the, the the game I played the most was Artemis, which was a Monash uh, hosted a MUD playing mud so i knew that uh like so i almost failed uh uni because of that uh you know <laughs> I, like i was even playing i was even playing muds uh, while i was uh, in, in the middle of tutorials so um i knew that world of warcraft world of warcraft would would consume me so i stayed out of that but all my other uh team members played it and uh and, and all of them in it so and they even su- suggested like you know should we have team meetings inside azeroth and i was like no 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 i, I can't do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah so the uh yeah so the answer yeah of course yeah so no no my passion for gaming did not did not wane that it was uh it was uh definitely uh yeah it was, it was definitely still 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 high 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 priority in my life yeah so even even though like you know we worked long hours like you know i still had to make time to, to play games just as a, a way of just de-stressing uh and, and that's i guess that's the one one thing like you know you the hours are long, or back then, back then, I mean, the hours were long. Uh, so uh, you know, and then crunch, crunch is always a thing. So you, you had to have find some way of uh, de-stressing, and and you know, gaming was how, was how we got into it. And, yeah, so gaming was uh, was a way that we sort of we de-stressed. That makes a lot of sense, I can imagine, because you'd all, you know, particularly as well, I imagine all sort of, you know, in your in your twenties and whatnot. It's just like, yeah, it would have been a um, just almost like a frat house, almost of just people <laughs> like wanting to play games together. I, would, I can I can picture it. Um, yeah, definitely. So, in terms of like what your, because you mentioned, you know, before a lot of your um your study and focus was on, you know, like C plus plus and learning a particular mm. um game engine. So, was there a particular when you started your work on um Heroes of the Pacific? Uh, was there a particular part of the game that your was your focus that you were tasked with with working on? Yeah. So, so when I got to, when I started as a junior programmer, I. I was up. It was up to the whim of the uh, designers, like uh, you know, what 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 latest sort of uh, gaming uh, thing they wanted to try out. They would they would get me to do it while everyone, well, all the leads, everyone else was like you know working on like the, the the graphics or you know the whatever the the sound or whatever. So yeah, I, I did a lot of gameplay tweaking. Like you know, uh, the first the first big job I, I got ever got given was, was probably the 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 second week I joined was that they sat me down in front of a a a a tv and an xbox and they said like um so our, our current uh poc our, 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 our um our demo like only has simulation uh controls you know like you know the it controls the way a real plane will control you know you go you pull back to to go up uh pull, pull down pull down yeah, to go, go down and then yeah and then you, you when you go left and right you're actually just turning the the, the plane left uh, you know rolling it left and right and and stuff and then and People find that a bit sort of uh, you know hard to control, especially new newbies. So here's a game, uh, 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 Crimson Skies on Xbox. Like uh, we want to get, have a, like an arcade mode, like like their their uh, their controls. So I I I I spent yeah the, the second the second week just playing through Crimson Skies and, and also a bit of uh, uh, Rogue Leader on on GameCube. Uh, just uh, and so my first job yeah was sort of uh, hacking the the, the the sim the simulation controls and uh, making a, a a more arcadey control where it's basically your 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 plane controls like a like a cursor i just you move the you move the the point where you want the plane to to fly to uh and uh and then i had to do stuff like you know just what as as i moved the plane to look to 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 point in the direction i wanted to i had to 
make the plane turn to look like it was actually still uh, uh, acting on like you know real physics. Uh, you know, it, it turned and rolled into the direction that I wanted to turn if I'm moving it left or right, or uh, you know, uh, still like banking or whatever when I'm moving it down and stuff. So yeah, that was my first job, uh, and then. Um, after that, I sort of, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, gameplay tweaks, you know, adding like, you know, stuff like uh, I had to sort of uh, consolidate all the, uh, all the, um, the, the weapons and, and, uh, and like make a database so that, uh, the, the designers could easily like add weapons to a particular plane and, and also, you know, change the values, you know, how much damage a, a weapon does and stuff like that. So I did grunt work like that. Uh, but also, uh, I become, um, one of my jobs was to work as, as an assistant to the, uh, the main AI guy. So, while well, he made the, he wrote the AI to you know control the planes, uh, the enemy planes um, that you had to fight against. I did stuff like uh, I wrote the AI for all the turrets that you you find on the planes or the the battleships or on the ground. Um, so my, my main job was uh, yeah to become yeah get, was gameplay and, and and AI on that that project, which was awesome. It's really interesting stuff. Uh, because uh, I, I talked to I talked to the, uh, the 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 game graphics guys, and, and you think like graphics is cool, but uh, if you if you're only doing graphics for the last you know for the past eight eight whatever games, you sort of get <laughs> gets a bit boring. Uh, that's one of the things I learned, uh, which is um, if you can be generalist, it's great because you're getting work on different stuff. But uh, if you are really good at something and you get put into a niche, it's really hard to move out of it. So the AI guy is always going to do. Always going to do AI on the you know the, the 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 next game. The graphics guy is always going to do graphics and write shaders for the next game. It's uh, uh luckily like when I started in, I got to get, got to get a taste of everything. So I yeah, it was a great experience for me as a as a junior programmer to to work out you know what, to, to have it, be able to touch everything. Yeah, awesome, like a jack of all trades, uh, which is <laughs> useful. And, I, and yeah. I imagine there's also an element, as you mentioned, like with physics or AI, it's like. You know, in this game, it's like I'm working on the physics of, you know, a plane or, or you know, combat fighters. Yeah. And then it's like, in the future, it could be like, again, and I get a job at Chrome Studios and then you're doing the physics of a, of a Tasmanian tiger and boomerangs <laughs> or something. So it's, uh, yeah. it's like a different set of challenges within the same space. Mm. Ah, interesting. So, so, so yeah. I think you should mention the physics because uh, uh, at that time, the... The physics I had was pretty rudimentary, uh, um, pretty, uh, and so they actually, my my boss was a uh, he was British, and uh, I don't know how he pulled, he he brought in a, a fellow named Ian Bell to come in to uh, to to try and rewrite the physics to make it more realistic. And I don't know if you know Ian Bell. Ian Bell is the uh, one of the co-creators of the game uh, Elite, which ah, is one yes. of the. One of the first uh, space simulation exploration adventure games. Uh, so it was uh, cool. Like he used to, he would. Uh, so he came down for a couple of months, uh, working on the sort of uh, his um, more realistic uh, physics, uh, which which allow for stuff like you know the allowing the, the, the planes to go into death loops and and you know the all you know uh, all the things that happen with real planes. You know if you don't handle them properly and stuff like that. So, which at, at the end we actually didn't end up using because. Uh, even though it was cool, like it didn't really add much to the gameplay. So, <laughs> but it was it was cool, like you know, sitting next to a, a legend like that. Uh, but yeah, that was really cool. Bit of, bit of eccentric guy, a bit of a bit of a hippie. Uh, always, <laughs> he, he he always wore a little fez, and uh, and yeah, he, and, uh-huh. and, he, and he was one of the first people I knew. Uh, developers knew he sat on a. Um, I don't know if you ever seen these. Uh, it's like an a kneeling chair. Uh, I guess it's for it's for your back. It doesn't have uh, any back support, but it's like it looks like a little 
mini ironing board. And okay. you, the way you sit on you sit you sit on the seat, but your your legs are sort of your a bent and they they come under you. So you're you're sitting, but you're sort of in a kneeling position. And sort of, I think it's, it, it, it forces you to sort of sit straight. Uh, I think it's just uh, for your back. Uh, so that, that, that was uh, interesting. It's, it's one of those things, again, you wouldn't think it's an experience you necessarily get to have in Australia. So it's like very fortunate that, that it, like it happened, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow, awesome. So well, the other question I want to ask with, um, with the first game, was it a, what engine would it have been built on? Or was it like just an in-house like engine that, that everyone had put together? Uh, it was uh, it was a bit of a hodgepodge. So um, the main, a lot of the the UI system was was done in house. Uh, it was a uh, it was flash based, but it was in house. But the the graphics was based off. Uh, so so before uh, EA bought uh, Criterion, who made all the uh, the yep. was it the burnout, the, the Fast and the, the Furious, I'm burn, oh, not yeah. Need for so, Speed, yeah. Yes, that's right. Uh, they uh, they actually uh, licensed out the Criterion engine. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, that was the basis uh, for our graphics, and for our audio, we used a uh, a engine uh, called FMod, which was uh, actually Australian based. Uh, I don't know if they're around now, but then back in the day, like all, all the all the game studios were using FMod. Uh, it was a it was a very small application, but it it, it was a uh, yeah it, it did the job uh, really well. And uh, it was, I think it was only just one guy, maybe in Sydney, uh, yeah, in FMod. But yeah, all the Worldwide, all the all the all the, all the game studios were using that, so, so it was it was a bit of a hodgepodge of uh, of yeah different engines. That's oh, interesting because I feel like these days, again, just very outside of the industry, I you always hear about like a f- small handful of key like key engines as the core engine. Yeah. Like you always obviously Unity's for the indie space, yeah. and then you you know Unreal, which is sort of everywhere actually from from yeah. AAA to to indie, and then um. EA, there was Frostbite for a while. I feel like they might have given up on Frostbite now after <laughs> after many years. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, very very different to, yeah, to have th- that sort of it, mixture. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think at that time when it was still uh, PS2 era. Uh, so, so the the consoles. Are, I mean, this is before we got into like the sort of cell process. The architecture was still pretty simple, and so it was pretty easy to cobble get cobble uh, your own engine. Uh, in house, and the games games back then didn't require like realistic physics or uh, you know all the all the bells and whistles that you 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 know you expect now from 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 your games. Uh, so it was pretty easy to to create your own engine and maintain it. Whereas uh, after the sort of the yeah the PS3s and 360s, you know everyone wanted you know the all the all the the latest you know the greatest graphics you know all the you know. Uh, Everyone looked, wanted the game to look like Game of War, you know, uh, sort of Gears of War, and uh, you know you wanted your Havoc physics and stuff like that. So it was much harder to sort of uh, and much more expensive to to do R and D and develop your own engine in house. And so it was much easier to to, to license out a, a, a game engine where you know you would receive you know uh, regular updates you know, and and get support from the company uh, you know uh, if you had any issues with uh, with um, using that engine. It also made it easier to release on multiple platforms did it uh, in that period the ported to like windows and ps2 xbox yeah 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 definitely uh i mean we like we we what's up for for ps2 for for, for the here is a specific released it on ps2 uh xbox and pc so uh the xbox and pc versions of the game was uh 
I wouldn't say all separate from the the PS2 version, but uh, yeah, there was a there was a, a, a yeah definitely a line that that, that where we had to write sort of the same code for for two different uh, yeah for like it was like two different games. Um, wow. Uh, because like you know it's because uh, yeah definitely Xbox you know Xbox you know, it's 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 Microsoft so based so yeah we, we did so PC was just uh, it's just easy but yeah PS2 the um, to use the uh, back then you know the you had the you had like the motion engine or... the motion engine and you got these two parallel little uh, secondary processing units I mean that was like a unheard of that was a that was a completely different architecture so um, like the graphics guys and even like you know just um, AI or a lot of maths like we we had, that had to be done a lot differently to how it was done on Xbox. Xbox was basically a PC, so yes. uh, and there was a little little to none sort of a parallel processing uh, involved. I mean, there might have been like multiple threads and stuff, but yeah, definitely back then. Yeah, PS2 was like a it's it's like a separate game that we had to yeah marry up to make make uh, you know yeah look look yeah look look and play exactly the same as the Xbox and PC versions. Definitely nowadays, they, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you can release yeah one game and uh, you know uh, like on Unity, yeah, and and, uh, and and it it does all the porting for you pretty much, yeah. So if someone was like hunting for copies of Hero of the Pacific for their like collection, are they should they be going for Xbox or PS two? What which one's the like the the gold standard? <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely the Xbox version. Uh, the water effects, like the sort of the shading effects. I mean, there was actually shading. Shaders, so actually it looks much nicer than on, on PS2. Uh, we, yeah, we had to make a lot of compromises to to get the uh, the PS2 version running properly and to not look as uh, 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 too much too too ugly, look too ugly compared to the Xbox version. Yeah, definitely, definitely the Xbox version looked much better. It's really like fascinating because I again I was young during that era, but like I remember vividly, obviously the next generation. It's like that issue with playstation being more complex came that was you know one of their biggest you know downfalls i'd say during the mm. ps3 360 era yeah. so um, yeah. i hadn't yeah the like six cell processor or whatever it was i hadn't appreciated that it was similar already in that in terms of that disparity on the on the back end in the in the ps2 versus the xbox here and i imagine the only mm. difference was everyone had a ps2 because it was a dvd player so you as a developer you just kind of forced to like it's there's what, however, hundred many million out there. You've got to put it on there because yeah. that's where the players are. That that is right. That is right. I mean, yeah. If we give it the choice, like we would just we just make games for Xbox and uh, and I think uh, and Dreamcast as well. Dreamcast was also quite a similar, uh, quite simple. Yeah, the PS2. Yeah, it was the start of this whole yeah sort of parallel units, uh, their sort of architecture that 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 led up to the the cell processor. Yeah, it was definitely something that we had to get sort of a yeah. A, a, Put a lot more effort into to getting the, a lot of the, uh, the 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 juice out of, and uh, you know we had the even with the you know like Sony were you know they we, we could send code up to to Sony and then the, they would like you know send us uh, they would have a, a, a expert you know look at you know how we're using the how we're using the units uh, if it's uh, the best you know how we could structure our our our, game, our, our, our codes you know to better use all units you know in parallel to use them all you know hundred uh, percent or close to hundred percent at all, at all times but. That was a lot more work than we really wanted to do. Uh, yeah, releasing games. So and so that became yeah. PS2 was sort of the the basis, and then for Xbox, like we we could add a few more shaders and you know, make it look a lot more nicer. But yeah, definitely the um, PS2, and 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 you, you see that in the in PS3 as well. PS3 was sort of the the basis where you made the base game, and then you the, the better looking game, but not necessarily any 
different in terms of gameplay would be the the Xbox 360 and the and the, and the GameCube. Uh, yeah. Oh, thanks, Ken Kudaragi, for for that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> awesome. So you mentioned so you obviously talked a bit before. There was the four years there at Transmission. Uh, and how sort of after Heroes of the Pacific, there was a bit of, you know, ancillary work on the sports stuff. Was that, did that take the full four years or was there another project there before you um, parted ways? No, I worked on, uh, there was, yeah, there was the, the football, there was uh, Gaelic Games, which is uh, another license they got uh, for the uh, the Irish and UK uh, the games uh, area there. Um, and uh, I also worked on a game called uh, Lucinda Green's Equestrian Challenge. Uh, it was an equestrian game where you do show jumping and stuff like that. Uh, which, in which case, I, in which I was um, sort of the lead UI guy. So, so I, I tried very hard not to sort of uh, put in a niche, but then I ended up being made to, uh, becoming an expert on UI um, uh, with our in-house engine, uh, our UI engine, uh, which was. Uh, Flash based back then. Flash was the was the thing. Uh, I don't know if you still remember Flash. Uh, I, I do. Yes. I, yeah, I, I I I sometimes still watch like Homestar Runner cartoons, so I have a, uh, yes. yeah, a lot a lot of fondness for Flash. <laughs> yeah. So you know, uh, a game menu or a game a game menu is pretty much like you know the the same as like a website. You know, you have points of interest that you click on, and then you transition to a new screen. Uh, and so uh, I learned to use Flash and learn an action script to, and to yeah create a and, and, and so Flash allows you to uh, you know with frames and stuff allows you to do nice animations transitions between different screens. So uh, I I learned that and yeah I was a, I was a, the lead UI guy on the Cindy Green's Equestrian Challenge uh, and then I also did some uh, brief uh, work on a, a game called Heat Seeker, which was a a fighter plane. Uh, sorry, jet fighting game, uh, which was released on the Wii, uh, which I just uh, I just helped. Just uh, I already had a team there, but I was just there just to clean up some stuff. Um, and so after that, I started working on the sequel to Heroes of the Pacific, which is uh, Heroes Over Europe. But I, I worked on that for just under a year, and then that's when I got the uh, the call from a former uh, coworker uh, about uh, joining EA. That's when I that's when I left. Oh wow. Quite a string. Adding these all to my like, if I see them at like a at a collector's market, I'm just gonna like add them to the collection. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. Mm. Um, I, Heat Seeker, I remember actually because it's it's. I think Wii was like a a big. That's probably yeah, a few years into the Wii life. I started working retail, so I remember like yeah. seeing it like on the shelves at, at JB Hi-Fi. Actually, like when yeah. I was there, <laughs> yes, you, yeah, you could yeah. always get it for like ten, twenty dollars. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I think my, my main uh, con- contribution to that game was I, I created the uh, the little animation that appears on the save, the, as the it was the icon used on the save game in the uh, oh, yeah. on the GameCube. Yeah. Ah, fun! That's very um, that's that's a good bit of trivia. That's very <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. Also, I have to admit, I had no idea. Like for me, at least, again, maybe Brendan already knew because because he's uh, such he knows a lot more than me. I find. Um, I didn't know Flash was used that much at all in anything to do with like console game development. Again, I always just associate it with like new grounds and mini clip and that kind of stuff. I had zero, you know, uh, appreciation that it was it was used for like menus and stuff. So that was that was fascinating. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that was uh, yeah, it was yes used uh, yeah, quite a lot. and that was actually uh, I don't know if I can move on. Uh, that was what got me the job at EA. Uh, cause yeah. 
because EA also had um, their UI system back in the day was also Flash based, so they needed someone. So, so the Melbourne studio at, uh, for EA they uh, were primarily uh, working in porting, doing the PC ports of uh, 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 EA games, uh, 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 console games. So, so at the time they needed someone to to work on to work on a UI for the, the PC uh, port of. Uh, uh, was it Godfather Part Two, which is what the first game I worked on, and uh, so yeah, my my mate, my old mate, uh, uh, said, yeah, we yeah, we'd like to we'd like you to join up, and uh, I was like, EA, uh, uh, definitely sign me up, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah that, that's yeah, that's that, that's how I started. So yeah, I worked on the UI for Godfather Part Two, and uh, and I did a little bit of work on another game that we're porting into PC, which was uh, Dead Space. So I had my hands yeah. in that too, yeah. I think Flash was a lot used until uh, I think there was a um, that year was it the Dakar was it the it was the Codemasters released their uh, rally game, yeah. in which in which the the UI was like sort of three D based and everyone's like oh my god that looks amazing and then like I think that was sort of the downfall of uh, Flash based UI is that people started there looking at the three D like a like a more sort of a yeah. UI that was more sort of uh, integrated into like the main game. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but then, yeah, at that time, yeah, Flash was there. They were used uh, yeah, everywhere. Oh, that's, that's very interesting to see. Uh, the other thing I'd be cu- I was curious to find out while you're particularly maybe even at EA, because I imagine um, EA just as a company, it's like what billions of dollars worth of market cap or something. Was there, yeah. Do they do much in terms of like, you know, getting people out to like go to San Francisco to game developers conference or any of the industry stuff? Or was it only really like the the big wigs that got sort of flown around and taken to those kinds of things? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, for us uh, living in uh, Australia, no, it was only the uh, the big wigs uh, who got sent to uh, sent to um, E3 uh, stuff. I never got. Um, they did come down to Australia, though. Um, so halfway through working at EA, they, they did a rebrand. Uh, so, uh, so we were a, um, EA Melbourne studio was like a satellite studio of, uh, EA Redwood Shores, which was the, the studio that was primarily, primarily working on, um, Godfather part two, uh, and, and dead space and later Dante's Inferno. Uh, and they, the head, the head, the studio head at that time, Glenn Schofield decided to do a rebrand and yeah, made it visceral. And uh, the reason mm-hmm. they call it visceral, uh, and they, 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 they wanted to be his, uh, mission set was that we want to be the, Western equivalent of Capcom, like we want to be the known for making the the coolest third party action games. So and yeah, they named it Visceral Games. Uh, they they spent a lot of money on the, on marketing and, and 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 focus groups and stuff, and that's the that's what they came uh, uh, came up with. Uh, and so we were renamed Visceral Games as uh, Australia, and then uh, and then the, after the rebranding, uh, yeah, Glenn Schofield and he and uh, and his uh, partner uh, Michael Condry came came down to Australia. And uh, we wined and dined them, uh, but yeah, um, no, I never. Yeah, so yeah, they came down. It was cool, uh, but yeah, we, yeah, I, I, unfortunately, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't high enough in the, in the food chain to, to be sent to sent to GDC or, or, or E3. Nah, more fair enough. I mean, that still would have been fascinating. I mean, like, yeah, Glenn Schofield is certainly a name a lot of people know, and it was probably under something with that visceral games name change because, like, I remember obviously, I mean, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but as that studio sort of eventually ceased its life i mean there was a lot of fan outrage to say the least and then that sort of turned into a lot of um 
hype, I guess, for because was it this year or last year the Callisto Protocol that came out? Yes, which I think is is his joint. I can't remember. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, last yeah, year. The, the, yes. Interesting about again, that. So so we got we got rebranded Visceral Games Australia, and we we're like, yeah, this is cool. We're gonna make a cool cool third party games. One, I think it was almost one month later, we got the news that Glenn Schofield and Michael Condry had quit and moved over to Activision to, to oh. head up, uh, which was, which then became Sledgehammer Games. And that, at that time, there was a, apparently a mass exodus of software engineers from, from Redwood Shores and there, uh, to, 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 to go to which, what became Sledgehammer Games. So, um, uh, without, uh, yes, yeah, Glenn Schofield, yeah, that's sort of, sort of, started the downfall of visceral games because he was he was visceral games and uh and w- without him yeah that sort of was the visceral games sort of lost its luster within the the the, the bigger ea sort of uh uh structure and uh yeah um, yeah and it's it slowly died a, a painful death yeah it's that's fascinating i actually hadn't appreciate i mean probably if i just paid attention more i would have realized yeah. that was the case but um I hadn't realized that, that he was he was Sledgehammer because I always just associated Sledgehammer as just like another Call of Duty joint, basically. So I had no <laughs> real appreciation for who was who was behind them. But it's interesting because obviously mm. Sledgehammer, I guess, followed a similar model with having a Melbourne-based studio, which is obviously still that's still around today, um, as far as we know. Yep. Touchwood that you know Microsoft don't um, decide to change <laughs> that anytime soon. Ah, but that's interesting. So yeah, I'd be curious. Did, did um, I guess maybe I don't know if you know. Did anyone like when when they did open up in um in Melbourne, which probably there's probably a bit of a gap I imagine between Sledgehammer mm. Melbourne opening and and Visceral uh Melbourne shutting. But the, again, was do you know if there was much talent that made their way back over to to Glenn's camp? I suppose, or was it no? Nah, at that point, yeah. it was all sort of separate and gone. But- no, definitely most uh, most of the uh, the first hires, sort of the uh, the the lead developers that they that they hired in the beginning, uh, were a, a lot of my f- my former colleagues at uh, at uh, the the the, the, the uh, Visceral Games Australia, and rightly so because yeah they were they, they were they were they were, they were excellent uh, you know developers and yeah yeah to, and 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 Sage had the money to pay them so yeah it was you know Call of Duty skins so that's that's all you need to, <laughs> to have that the, the house loot to boxes, run the bank yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'm curious with Dead Space. I don't actually know. We had an off-air conversation about this because you you did watch a lot of horror, so you you probably were fine working on Dead Space. That wouldn't have been much of a concern for you, I would have thought. But was there like did were there other people in the office who were like, I can't handle this because that that's quite an intense game, like just a uh, experience. I, I, I think I, I might have misconstrued to you my my love or not love of, of horror games. I, I'm actually <laughs> horror movies. I actually I am a I'm a big baby, and uh, the 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 time that I spent on uh, Dead Space, I never played it without God mode. Ah, because uh, <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, I mean, and 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 back then, like uh, when I was looking at it, it was still you know a lot of. Uh, like it, it, it still wasn't it wasn't polished. Like there was a lot of uh, uh, wire wireframe stuff. Even then, it was it was still scary as as anything. Like uh, I no, I I, def, I definitely no. I I had a big a big a big problem uh, working on that. Uh, <laughs> that time, uh, that would have been funny, but probably not that mm. funny when it's like every day. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Very good, Brendan. Do you have anything? If not, I'll I'll keep moving on. <laughs> I don't- 
I guess one question I've been thinking about is what was it like as a developer in that transition period between generations? Because you started when, well, PS2 and the Xbox, GameCube, PC was the well, were mm. the dominant platforms, and then it's that transition in that mid to the or mid two thousands period to your mm. three sixty PS3. And I, I was it noticeable that I guess development was, development teams had to get bigger, and that there was games becoming more complex and because. I guess retrospectively, a lot of people argue that, yes, the GFC, of course, which we'll get to, led to a lot of studio closures and the like, but it was also that teams had to get bigger and the costs of making games were increasing because of that. Was that noticeable at the time? Definitely, definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, teams did uh, did have to balloon more uh, just because, yeah, games were a lot more complex. You know, we had to use up all those... Uh, all those uh those those processes in the in the cell processor you know with uh so you needed more than one person to work on the ai the graphics you know like you know with with the xbox and you know especially with the xbox 360 you know yeah multiple people working on shaders uh you know it wasn't just the one you know graphics uh graphics guru uh and you know uh the what the one the, the big thing like you know with with the with the next generation like you know assets could be more detailed and you know you couldn't have one guy pump out you know three you know three planes a week you know on as they did on you know uh, on Heroes Pacific you know one guy probably worked on one plane you know uh, for you know a whole month uh, you know to and you know including you know the the wireframe including the, uh, the 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 textures and stuff so yeah you definitely you needed more head you know you needed more much many much more people. Uh, to, 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 to make to make a game I mean one of the cool things about working on the next generation was that yeah I mean uh, on the on on the ps2 and, and Xbox it was all about budgets your memory budgets your uh, you know how much you can fit on the screen at any one time how much code you can fit uh, on the ps2 at any one time because the, the, the ps2 only had four meg of, uh, of RAM but uh, yeah with the next generation there was a there was a lot more leeway so you know we could you know go a bit more all out on um, on, on the graphics, uh, you know, on the on the on the textures, on on, on the stuff. Uh, so yeah, definitely, yeah. There was a huge balloon of of, uh, of 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 teams in terms of my work because I just worked on UI and then and, and and even then, like I wasn't working on the actual game engine. So even even then, like the UI itself, there wasn't that much difference uh, working on the next gen. I think it was more yeah, the graphics guys definitely and uh, and the artists they they were, they they would have seen a big a big change. Uh, uh, in in their workload and 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 in the the amount of yeah the coworkers that they they had yeah yeah no that that that's that's interesting because like yeah I mean we'll probably get to it after we get through this this next bit about the GFC but it, like there's there's a lot of things echoing to like how things are today which which might be interesting to talk about towards the <laughs> end but yeah obviously you know I mean for those who weren't around or weren't paying attention to the industry back you know when the gfc happened or the global financial crisis again if anyone doesn't know what that acronym means yeah. um that was a bit of a, a very very tough period for the australian games industry right i mean studios left right and center were being shut down whether they were subsidiaries you know of of you know american or whatever companies um but also you know just you know homegrown studios were either shut down or massively downsized again uh, the one i was remember hearing about was chrome was was a big one in in queensland but um yeah just just any sort of you know we went for a period where there were a lot of these oh you know massive triple a games from big publishers with australian devs like your la noirs and you know 
all that kind of stuff was was coming out and then all those studios are just wiped out within a span of two or three years i mean how, how did you find that unfolding like I, I don't know the exact timeline of when um uh visceral was 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 gone but was it sort of like were you a hearing about other studios closing down and was that sort of getting concerning or or was it sort of your own little bubble and then one day bang it it sort of popped yeah uh definitely definitely working at ea was a was own little bubble because we didn't think that would uh anything would happen uh working at ea um but so 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 the main the big thing that uh you need to know is that um if you weren't a subsidiary of even if you weren't subsidiary of the american company uh a lot of the big companies in australia back then were work for hire for American companies or for companies like Ubisoft. Uh, uh, I think back then, like you know, a lot of companies that got their work from THQ, uh, who were around back then, they were, big, mm. big, they were a big double A publisher back then. So you relied on uh, the American companies to give you work. So yeah, when the so definitely yeah, when the yeah GSC happened, and uh, you know, and, and that, there was a point when you know the Australian dollar was higher than the American dollar. Yeah, work just dried up, and yeah, that, that's when you saw yeah companies that just they just had no money left because they yeah they didn't have any work to move they didn't have another project to move on everyone on and 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 income to come in yeah and they just seeing that yeah seeing all my 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 my, my former colleagues you know losing their jobs and asking oh, are there any jobs at EA and I was like oh, yeah unfortunately yeah we we don't we're not looking for anyone at the moment it was it was a, it was really hard it was uh demoralizing you know seeing your you know big companies uh yeah chrome uh pandemic mm. uh and you know even like you know, uh uh infograms melbourne house uh, like atari melbourne house even them going under it's uh yeah it's it was quite demoralizing you know seeing 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 yeah all my all my former colleagues uh yeah uh yeah out of jobs yeah and then and that's when you sort of see uh come back to this we sort of see like an a max mass exodus you know of developers mm. you know in order to you know still have jobs you know i had to move to america or move to uh you know uh, canada or uh, uh france you know where there was still you know there was still you know, the big companies and there's still uh there's still work uh you know uh, funny yeah so you know, and, yeah and these were the companies that you know these, these are countries where funny enough there were countries that that, that where they, the state the governments you know gave you know tax incentives and and stuff where at that time yeah there were no tax incentives for for Australian companies. You know, we had to basically rely on ourselves. So without yeah, without that that money coming in from the American companies, yeah, we just had nowhere to turn. And so yeah, it was a yeah sad time. Yeah, that that actually makes a lot of sense. You're right because I hadn't even like thought about it. But yeah, there would you know other than again, there were there weren't any like big Australian publisher. I guess that's what it is. Like no. and even today, mm. there's not really a big Australian publisher, right? So no matter what, there was always that that funding need i guess from from america and yeah that that imbalance of yeah when when our dollar was worth more it just immediately turns a trip not not triples but it probably was a bit under doubles like the cost of a project for for an american when they're looking at paying a australian wages at that point in mm. time yeah um i mean to the extent you're you know happy to talk about it or willing to talk about what you know what was it like the sort of the day the news came that that the studio was was no longer going to be was it um at that point it was still a big big shock or was it sort of writing had been on the wall for a, a little bit and people saw it saw it coming no it was a big shock so uh so the, the reason why i got laid off wasn't uh i mean it was partly due to gc it was partly because uh so at the time half the in studio was uh working on this uh 
proof of concept. Uh, this uh, game, the demo for a game that we were we wanted to want to to make uh, for real, uh, which uh, in the end didn't end up uh, 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 being made. But um, the other half was working on a port of a uh, of a visceral tiles. I mean, I guess I can say it now. It was a, they're working doing a port of Dead Space on on the Wii, and so. Oh, yeah. uh, and what happened was that uh, at at that time there was a they were releasing a Dead Space game on Wii, but it was called it was a extraction. it was a sort of a yeah. extraction, yeah. And uh, and we were all hyped for it. We was like, oh, this is cool. It's a like a like a mature game on Wii, like a uh, even though it wasn't it, 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 the gameplay was different. It was it was, it was more a point and shoot. It was yeah. a, it was like light, a light gun shooter, yeah, light gun shooter, yeah. And uh, but we were like uh, we were like everyone was like saying yeah this was a this is, you know it's going to be cool like a you know, mature game on Wii uh, and then like one day we got the we got the call from uh, from America saying that Extractions came out and only sold a thousand copies and, and they were like <laughs> I'm not shocked yep and they were like yep where the 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 port is God we're we're not we're not porting we're not porting the we're not we're not porting uh, Dead Space on on on, on the Wigan. On the way, I think I think we're putting actually Dead Space too because that, that that already come out. So yeah, so yeah, and and, and at the same time, they said yeah, we're gonna have to let go half the studio because we can't support you all. And it was very sudden. And I gotta say, I, I think it's because like you know, EA already had a reputation for like firing, you know, like you know, hiring a lot of people, then firing a lot of people, like you know, on a seasonal basis. So they had the process down pat, like the. The hour after they told us that we were going to be let go, like all my all my uh, accounts had already been locked, uh, and like I was told to, to go home, and uh, we'll organize a, a later time for you to come in and get your belongings and stuff. Like they, the the, the HR person, they already flew the HR person down, you know, to to give us yeah. our the news and you know and, and give us a severance pay and stuff. So yeah, they had the, they had the script all down pat. So uh, so I I was still processing the fact that you know I've been you know. I've been let go, like you know, for for a few weeks after, like you know, I was already home, and you know, uh, before I even thought about, oh, what am I going to do next? I was like, oh, fuck. I, I was still processing it. But yeah, mm. was the HR run out of America? EA? No, they actually, uh, they actually had HR in uh, in Queensland. I think because because um, by that time they had uh, EA had bought Pandemic, yes, yeah. and Pandemic, so they 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 had HR on the on the on the Gold Coast, so they brought the HR down from the Gold Coast, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no that 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 would have been like tough. I mean, yeah, the when you were describing it of them like cutting though, like the, because we've been talking about Dead Space, I was just kind of imagining like like the CEO is like what's his name Isaac or whatever, and like cutting limbs of like it's all these subsidiaries. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, that's just where my mind went. Um, <laughs> um uh, yeah. wow, no, yeah, that sounds like. I mean, it's always no it tough to anyone to lose a job of course but yeah as well just i i imagine there was also an element once you sort of pulled your head back up though there was it was looking around and thinking where can you go and i'm guessing at that point it was like it's not much in the least in the game space anymore yeah. um yeah 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 so that was uh that was uh that comes back to what you were mentioning about uh you know if i ever looked like overseas for for jobs that that was really the that was a turning point where i thought if i want to continue in games development like I would probably have to move to to America or Canada or or France, uh, where there were still the big the big companies. Uh, and yeah, ultimately, I decided like I my family's here. You know, I've I've always lived in Melbourne. Like I I don't see myself living somewhere else. And so I that was just, that was when I decided I have to move out of game development and into mainstream IT. Uh, 
and yeah so that was yeah that was when i decided yeah I, yeah my my game my game my game development dream yeah was was over and were there quite a few people that you knew that took the same decision to leave game development at the time no actually uh a lot of uh that was a lot of my 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 fellow uh developers yeah they they did they did make the move like i i like a lot, like a lot of them didn't have families, uh, didn't have a, uh, so they were able to to to, to move to like I have uh, colleagues who moved to like yeah to, to join Sony Santa Mo- Sony Santa Monica, you know they were there, or to Ubisoft in France or to or to uh, uh, Bioware or to, yeah they a lot of them moved over. Um, there were there were quite a few who if they stayed like they went into mobile game development mm. Uh, mm. Uh, and yeah a lot of them opened yeah started the or yeah or joined the, I think. Uh, Firemint was already uh, Firemint and, and and Iron Monkeys was 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 already there. So, and uh, actually, actually that was the thing. So I did get offered a job at Iron Monkeys. So Iron Monkey is like um, they were then the uh, mobile port studio for EA games. So they were already owned by 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 EA, and they they ported all the all the the, the EA against like you know The Sims or uh, yeah. Uh, you know fifa or whatever uh stuff like that so i i did get offered a, a job there but because it was a mobile games like it was half my salary at uh oh wow at uh, at visceral so uh, i was i was like i'm you know i'm you know i'm 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 you know i'm happy that you, you gave it but uh, i i can't really i can't really do that uh i can't really take the, the job so um so yeah that's when i'd say yeah that's yeah, to survive, yeah, I, I have to move out of mainstream IT. So yeah, but then yeah, well, I did have empl- I did have uh, colleagues who yeah who who did take jobs up at iMonkey and Firemint and or or started their own uh, mobile game studios. Uh, and and that, that's sort of yeah. At the end of that, that was sort of sort of the, the start of sort of the uh, uh, the 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 golden age of uh, like mobile game studios uh, starting yeah in, in, in Australia. Yes, because well, yeah, for sure. Well, the iPhone was a well at least five, six years old by that time, and yeah. I guess mobile games, and even was that sort of the period that Facebook games were sort of briefly, I guess, seen as a money maker um, possibility. Yes. I know that didn't last too long, but no, Facebook, yeah, yeah, there was definitely that was that was uh, that was yeah, that's a heyday of that, and uh, and uh, actually at the time that I I, I got made redundant, I, I think we already had a few sort of. Uh, Hits on on iPhone. Uh, I think Flight Control was was already uh, mm. out, and I think Fruit uh, Fruit Ninja was a uh, was out. So yeah, so there was yeah, there was always uh, there was already uh, um, quality quality Australian yeah games coming out. When we're thinking about, I guess the differences between your console development and your um, I guess mobile development. Yes, you mentioned yeah. that pay was a big reason why you didn't yeah. take up that opportunity, but were they seen? I guess as different entities for i'm I'm not different entities but was it seen as a different type of game development developing for consoles or developing for mobiles was there sort of i guess status thing or was is game development just game development it doesn't really matter what platform you're Uh, developing for yeah i can't say i can't say for before the iphone uh when you know games were much more cut down and much much different to their uh their console counterparts with the iPhone, you you know you had games like Real Racing, which were you know weren't that much more much that different in 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 horsepower mm. to uh to to your console games. So yeah, it was just then another avenue. It's just it was just yeah, it was game development. It wasn't there. It wasn't. I mean, other than yeah, that the pay like disparity. It was it wasn't really like a, considered like a, I was downgrading. Like it was still 
yeah, it was still, it was still game development. Yeah, it was still, yeah, making good games. That, that's interesting because I guess from from a consumer gamer point of view, there's all particularly, I guess, amongst your enthusiast gamers, there's a bit of a stigma yeah. against mobile games that people will complain, oh, why is that game being developed for mobile? It should be a console game. So it's interesting that I guess from the developer side, there's not that same, I guess, perspective. Well, maybe there is for some people, but I, I find it interesting. Yeah, I guess like uh, I mean, as you're a, you're a gamer, yeah, you have your 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 tastes. Uh, but uh, as a game developer, like uh, a lot of time, you just I don't know where you're is drinking the Kool Aid, but you're you're you know you're making your company's game, so you're all in. Like it's oh, we're making a game. Like no matter like, and it, it's it's a, it's the adage that people you hear people say is like you know, you never set out to make a bad game, and you know the people who make those games like you know you believe in your game, so like yeah. I, I didn't believe I never believed like I made like you know an inferior game. I was like I'm just believe I'm making a game. I'm making the best game that I I can. Yeah, yeah, with, with the the budget and with the with the resources I have. So yeah, so as a game developer, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I guess it's sort of a, a different sort of point of view. Yeah, in that way. Yeah. No, very. That's yeah. That's really very fascinating to hear. And and then as you mentioned, this now sort of kicked off this era of like golden, uh, you know, mobile hits, and with you know, Crossy Road was probably the next massive one out of out of Australia that that took the, took the world by storm. But now I think we've sort of retransitioned again to now this next era that we're just in, where it's it's just been the birth of like you know, countless indie studios across the country, um, all self funded, or you know, as you mentioned before, finally the government is now providing incentives at least here in victoria not every state government is uh generous yeah. uh in the current market i mean now that you're sort of on the outside been outside of the industry for a few years looking in i mean what what's sort of your thoughts looking at this current landscape of all these indies and there you know a couple of big big players still here as we mentioned before sledgehammer's still got a, a melbourne studio um for example but uh yeah what what's your thoughts again now taking that that you know back on the outside and looking at where things are today uh, it's uh no, it's great. It's uh yeah, especially yeah, self-published games like uh you you never thought that was a as a thing back in the day, just because uh you know you because uh it, it's it's not just about the game itself, and it's about the marketing. So you need you, you, back then you need you feel like you needed the you know the the help of a, a big publisher you know to get your the word out you know and uh, so because of that you know they'd have to take a cut and everything like that. Yeah, nowadays, yeah, where you get you're able to 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 create to create your own games, you know, and own your own IP in Australia, like it's yeah, it's 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 awesome, uh, and and with the with the yeah the the, the funding from from a government, you know, which even back in the day, like uh, there were we were lobbying for for like every year, and uh, yeah, and you know there was a uh, and, uh, and the government even did like a sort of a. a they even consulted the industry about what 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 would be needed, uh, and uh, you know they did a whole sort of review, and so and uh, but nothing nothing came of that for for many years. Um, yeah, no, to to see now that we're finally or we're getting you know with Vic Screen we're getting your uh, your funding uh, and uh, and and seeing all these 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 companies uh, flourishing uh, in in this new sort of uh, self publishing sort of uh, era. It, it, no, it, it is it is it is really really good to really good to see. Yeah. Out of interest, is there any thoughts of like, are you like maybe just on the side in your spare time, like you know, coddling something together, or or you think yeah, no, my my days are done. I'm not 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 jumping back into that into that space. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I have thought about it, but uh, I've I've got two kids now, and uh, like it's after 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 working all day looking at a screen. Like I think the the last thing I want to do is. Uh, <laughs> 
uh, look at the screen <laughs> again at home. Um, maybe when I become semi-retired. Uh, no, it's a. Uh, I mean, I, I I applaud like you know uh, uh, developers who are able to do that. Like you know they 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 work a, a, a day job and then they're able to sort of uh, as a side thing you know uh, release a game on on iPhone or whatever you know by themselves. It's like it's it takes a lot of dedication and uh, I, I I'm <laughs> I don't have the energy. Yeah for that uh unfortunately yeah that's fair i mean i i don't have any kids and i feel like i don't have the energy <laughs> a lot of the time to do stuff after work so that's that's yeah. um very understandable <laughs> the other thing i mean i'm gonna get to whatever uh if you have a viewpoint or not i mean this week i mean probably this year it's been a really interesting year if we look globally at the industry where like a lot of big successes but also hundreds of people laid off across the the world really in terms of i mean this week at, at the time of recording bungie just announced their massive cuts which is just just one of many i mean is there anything you look at that and you think this is like flashbacks to like what was happening in yeah you know 2008 9 etc or, or is it just a different different sort of set of issues from from what you're seeing um it, it does it does uh seem like eerily uh, similar um yeah, but it, it is. I mean, it's it to me seems more brutal this time. It's I mean because it's not it's not just uh, game uh, game studios. It's it's the it's the big uh, the big uh, tech tech companies as well. So mm. it's it, it's it's crazy. Uh, so yeah, I, I, it, it does seem interesting. But yeah, it's it, it yeah again it is is different um different uh although i would just think it's different like you know yeah this time it was because of covid overspending on uh because of uh, after covid19 um was before as a gfc i mean similar different but yeah it definitely yeah i i did get sort of flashbacks uh yeah when uh just seeing left right instead of seeing seeing people getting laid off uh, every other day yeah you saw another company just going under um at least these companies aren't going under they're just laying off uh people but uh mm. we'll, 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 we'll see but yeah definitely a lot of good talent uh going like uh i mean because even though i'm not in the industry like uh, a lot of my I, I follow a lot of my colleagues on on linkedin that's most of my gaming news i get on on linkedin you know just seeing what my, <laughs> my colleagues are doing um but luckily a lot of my yeah uh, a lot of my colleagues aren't uh haven't been laid up by yet but just seeing yeah them talking about all their like you know their colleagues uh like in the thousands being laid off and you know uh and but then then you hear the stories about you know the people you know they who you know who keep a a, a list of like all the available jobs uh, mm. in the game industry and asking people you know to 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 to, to, to you know to apply for these jobs and asking you know people to have jobs to mentor these people and stuff. It's uh yeah, yeah you hear the bad stories, but you also hear like you know these these cool stories about you know the the game company the game industry sort of um sort of uh, uh getting to you know you know. Like, Closing ranks and, and helping each other, which was, um, which is all, even the case back in back in the day. Because uh, I mean, I, I found even when I worked, I found the game industry is actually quite small. Everyone knows each other, uh, you know, and you know you, they see each other often. You know, you see the same people at AGDC or GDC or E3, like uh, so everyone knows each other, and you know, people move to you know. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly moving on to 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 to, to, to studios from other studios, but you know, there's there's always a, a camaraderie, and you know, uh, and um, working in game studio because of uh, you know you you've worked together on a game, and it's always crunch and uh, and uh, and and stuff. Uh, you you become like uh, we we call them brother in arms. Like it really is like you mm. know, making a game is like is like a war, and you know you are in the trenches, and uh, you become blood brothers. Uh, so. 
to see, you know, it, it, it's great just to see, yeah, the people sort of uh, coming together and helping their fellow brothers, you know, try and find jobs or, you know, getting them back up. To, it's, you, do, you do see yeah, a lot of these good stories, which is, which is good to see. No, I I agree. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm on Twitter a lot and um, Twitter's kind of like pseudo game social media, even though like these days it's kind of like a weird hellscape of people who have also left that for other things. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it's every time there's a, a thing, you just see heaps of people saying, yep, we've got jobs, we've got this. It's, um, yeah, probably very different to like back then when it's like still even then you got to, I kind of, there would be sites like Seek and whatever. I, mean, I can't, was LinkedIn probably was around, but it wasn't nearly a, as big of a thing. I wouldn't have thought mm. back in those days. It's yeah, just a, the social media landscape, I guess, has really changed that level of communication and and collaboration to to rehome people. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I assume that it's also the case that I what the industry is very resilient, even ten, fifteen years ago. But also, it's worth a lot more than in the early 2010s 2000s from sort of a value proposition so even if these big studios are going to cut some teams and downside in some downsides in some ways they aren't going to like your eas and microsoft aren't going to shut up and stop game development as a whole so there's that cyclical element isn't there particularly in game development where they'll downsize and then probably in four years time the same studios will probably do massive rehirings for a project and like, yeah, get yeah, back to the yeah. similar and- level yeah, definitely. And then you see a lot of uh, like uh, I guess now with like for with the funding and stuff, you you got your you get laid off and uh, you start up your own company. Uh, yeah. you know, it starts off small, and then they become big, uh, big, and then they can uh, hire big as yeah. So you see a lot of uh, I mean America as well as Australia, like you know a lot of the the, the, the more yeah the, the indie indie companies come out of you know, people who were laid off from uh, from the big uh, the big publishers. Yeah. Yeah, because well, Zach and I, of course, go to PAX uh, Melbourne nearly every year, and uh, I think we've commented previously that it, particularly the last ten years of PAX, each year there's more and more indie studios, more and more indie games. So that that's very much thriving in Melbourne and Australia more broadly. Yeah, and fortunately, it's always it's like you always like see one, and then two or three years later, it's on like Channel Nine News because it's like you know like your, your Untitled Goose Game or your you know Hollow Knight or your Cold of the Lamb, Cold of the Lamb, and a bunch of others. Like I feel like always it's like yeah, there's a, we're getting big hits, which is nice to see for for Australia still batting batting above our our weight or, or size of our population, I suppose in some ways. Um, but still no big like production house in terms of an australian owned one yet that's probably the the thing we're still building up to i know um league of geeks is trying i feel like they keep growing and growing and trying to be become that big australian owned you know publisher developer but i hasn't quite got to that critical mass to really compete with a i don't know even like a devolver or something right which is which is probably still quite small compared to to again like what 76 billion dollars or whatever activision was <laughs> purchased for and i'm sure ea would be worth a similar number if not maybe a little bit less and and, and the like so you know we've got a ways to go to to that point but it, again it's just good to see the ip owned here and funded by you know either the government or self-funded through kickstarter helps uh, and certainly at least in terms of that you know reliance and overseas money and uh, sensitivity to um exchange rates is probably a little less as a result <laughs> No, definitely the yeah the the fact that yeah we the the, the homegrown games are they they own the i the ip they're not they're not they work for hires uh works for hire for 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 big 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 publishers you know just working on you know ports of 
of games uh, you know that uh, and the, the, who cares if uh, you know the the port the PC port of uh, you know Death was made in Australia like you know it's a I, I think of it as an American game uh, but yeah definitely the yeah, mm. Total Lab yeah the, 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 the big games in the recent years uh, the fact that we own the IP it's it's it's, it's great. Yes, because I guess well, we sort of mentioned it before. Well, Zach mentioned it beforehand, but I think before the indie boom, really the only I guess big name Australian game that came out was La Noir. That was that your AAA developed in Australia game. That well, that studio didn't last longer than that game, so it was very much it yeah. was very much a one off, for better or worse. Yeah, yeah. and even then, a like incredibly American game for something made in Australia. <laughs> well, like no like well and i believe yeah. it was an american guy that came out and founded team bondi to make it so it was it was very american it was a part of it, it was partly owned by rockstar yeah oh it's rockstar yeah, okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was big, it was like team bondi then i think it got rebranded to maybe a rockstar something at some point and then shut mm. down because yeah i think there was i mean it's a pretty ambitious game and i think there was just a bit of like uh, development drag and probably tension <laughs> amongst people, but that's probably not uncommon. Um, I would have thought the money people being like, put this out now, and the creatives being like, it's not ready. We need money, more money, and more time. But anyway, but yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, thank you. That was that was really fascinating. I think it's really good because it really like feel like like what the era you described, like again, that money for hire or subsidiaries of even, you know, larger, larger um, companies that, that was pretty much Australia game development for, for, for years and years and years and years and years, probably right up mm. until the GFC, you know, from yeah. as early as the eighties and you know nineties when, when it all just started as, as an industry. Right. So I think it's really interesting to capture that point. Cause again, a lot of people now who are maybe, just just joining the industry or they're they're young and they're maybe looking to get into it it's it's i think it's good to know that history versus like looking at this where we are today which is just completely different i do have a one last question to to maybe cap us off and you mentioned obviously you know you've got kids if they if they come to you and say we want to be game developers are you going to be like yep let, let's do it or are you are you going to be like oh maybe consider this and that and uh you know, this might pay a bit better or this might do that or what What would your thoughts and advice to them be when they get a bit older? No, that's, a, that's a very good question. Uh, like I've, uh, yeah, what are they, if want to be a game dev? I guess, um, I guess now, now the fact that, you know, there, there is a, there is a lot more government funding and like it's, uh, it's, you can, it's, it's, it's easy, it's uh, easier to make a living uh, out of a, out of a, uh, game development, you know, even on a small scale. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm, yeah. I, I'll, would, I'll would say I, I, I'm happy. I'll be happy, you know, if my, if my kids like follow, you know, would work, do would to do something that you know they were passionate about. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dissuade them from from game dev. I think my wife would probably want to sort of move them more to mainstream software development. Because um, I mean, there is, there is still some sort of a even in sort of big company, there's still some sort of pay disparity uh, mm. in, in in being a game developer, even in big company, to uh, a mainstream uh, in mainstream IT. Uh, and so, yeah, I I, I wouldn't no, I, I I think I think as a good parent, I, w- I would I would try and support my my, my child and whatever they do. Uh, and you know, if if they do end up in game development, then at least you know I'll I would be able to give them some input. You know, uh, yeah, but. Uh, I think that that is an important point. I, I have this big thing about like how 
as a society, we do a really bad job at like telling, giving kids good advice on like careers mm. and jobs and that kind of stuff. And I think that is like really important what you mentioned before. There is that disparity there in pay. Cause I, you know, even the other day, like one of our, we had, I've had a few friends, um, casualties to in the software engineering space to like being let go and they're now, you know, looking or actually all of them, I think have almost found something which is, which is good. Um, but while they were looking, you know, they looked at, um, certain i won't say which but certain melbourne game studios and they're like yeah if i want to you know do a senior um you know engineering role or whatever here i'm basically taking like a a 50 percent pay cut you know just to just to do effectively the same and, and you know and needing like they'll say like i need eight or ten years experience in game dev and um it's just yeah, the expectation to pay feels yeah still at this stage different to like if you're working at a at a bank or a, again, just like a large organization that is just, you know, needs tech, but isn't necessarily fully tech focused. Or again, if it's like a, a mega tech company, like a Google or a, a Microsoft or a meta or whatever, you know? So yeah, that's, I think that's important to to know, particularly if like any teenagers are listening to this podcast and thinking about where they want to go and what they want to do. That's, it's not all about the money, but money helps in life, so it's worth to be aware of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it, it 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 is is amazing. Like you know, back in the back when I well, when I was a, a graduate, like it's we were just happy to be in the game, you know, to be a game dev. So you know, I didn't care about the money. It's a, uh, and I think that's a, uh, and, uh, and and a lot of people talked about this. Like you know, that's sort of a, a thing that uh, a lot of companies they they rely on. I mean, they hire a lot of graduates because that. They're cheap labor and they're they're passionate, and so you know they sometimes you don't even ask them to do crunch. You know they're they're happy to to do crunch. Uh, uh, and like I I remember back in the day I was the first I opened up the the, the studio and I was the the person who it, it, it closed the studio because uh, like I was I I couldn't get enough. Yeah, the pay was a bonus. I was just happy to. <laughs> you you were happy to be there to be part of it. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, even now, yeah, there, there is a there is a yeah pay disparity. Uh, like uh, I, I recently I, w- I was called up by an old mate uh, to 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 join um to maybe join the the company because uh, they were looking for uh, C plus plus programmers uh you know for for PC development and uh, I yeah I had a look and then I, when I told them you know what I was making and what I expected uh, they're like oh okay uh yeah but maybe not uh. And so, yeah, there is, yeah, so it, there, there, yeah, there's still, pay, yeah, yeah, quite a bit of pace disparity because, uh, you know, they, they rely on the, uh, the passion and the, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, to, to fill up the, the, fill up the rest, yeah, to, to make the, make the gap, fill up the gap. For sure. Well, that was a really good episode. <laughs> I enjoyed it at least. Uh, one when me and Brendan didn't have to do much talking, but, uh, I was like, uh, yeah, captivated by everything, Andrew. So really thank you again for coming on and chatting to us. No, oh, it was oh, it's great. No, thank you for having me on. It's uh, no, it was great to sort of to relive uh, the old uh, the old days. Yeah, uh, it's uh, no, I have some great memories. Like I, I mean, I I, t- I say you know, the fact that like uh, I was being paid little, but uh, you know those 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 six years uh, working at Gainesville, those were some of the the best the best years of my 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 professional life. Like I I, I had a ball. Like it was. There were there were great memories. Like uh, even even at you know towards the even towards towards the end when it was maybe redundant. Like it's like those. I I still feel I still look very fondly on those on those six years. No, I mean it came through for sure. Um, you could feel it the way you were talking <laughs> about it. I, I don't blame. 
I don't blame you. I mean, I think, um, you know, Brendan and I talk fondly about like former like game journalism stuff and we didn't get paid at all. In fact, we paid to do it basically, <laughs> which is, I guess, what we're doing now. And we're yeah. still, we're still um, uh, always talk happily about it. So um, it's, it's relatable in some ways. Um, but yeah, that's, I think that's a good way to, to wrap up the episode on a positive note. Andrew, are you someone that wants to be found? If you do, you're welcome to plug anything on where people can find you. If not, you can just, you know, sign off with however you want to sign off. And then Brendan and I will do our usual shenanigans and say goodbye. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm not really a, a, a social media person. So I, I do have a Twitter account, but I, I never, I don't, uh, I don't really tweet on that. I just use that to, to follow, follow uh, people I like. Um, so yeah, nothing to plug at the moment. I'm not working again anymore. So yeah, I don't have uh, anything to plug. But uh, yeah, more that's... more than fair. No, that's that's yeah. that's all good. But thank you anyway, Brendan. Do you want to do the duties of telling people where they can find us? Yes, I will. Since I, I think you, even though Andrew did nearly all the talk in this episode, you've definitely done more than me, Zach. So I, I got can... the silver medal. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll, I'm sitting there in third place. So I'll wrap things up. But uh, firstly, I just want to echo what you said. Uh, thank Andrew for jumping on and uh, talking to us and sharing his experiences and more obvious passions about video games and gaming development and it's been very interesting to hear about that period in the well mid to late 2000s of Australian game development and uh, well to find this podcast as always you can email us at uh, blowingcartridge at gmail.com we're on twitter and facebook at blowcartpod Uh, you can find me at tamazoid on twitter or x or whatever the platform's called at time of recording, uh, Zach, you can find at Eggerino, and uh, yep, you can find us on all good podcasting services. Leave us a review, leave us a five star review. That's a good way to get more listeners for us. And uh, actually, I don't think we're on Apple um, on um, Amazon Music, but I'm, I'm currently working on that. So I, I doubt anyone actually uses um, Amazon Music to listen to podcasts, but we will be on there soon. You never know. Please, please, Jeff Bezos. You know, you know, throw us a throw us a bone. <laughs> we'll, we'll plug your uh, upcoming uh, Lord of the Rings uh, game that you're funding, or whatever, whatever you need, uh, or your next failed MMO. <laughs> Just get us on your streaming service. <laughs> yeah, so the Lumberyard engine will make a comeback, or whatever. Yeah. I think it was called Lumberyard. Who knows these? It sounds about right, given it's yeah the the metaphor between the Amazon rainforest and the Lumberyard. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, well with that thanks uh, for listening everyone and uh until the next episode we'll um we'll catch you later